This is Dawn Schuler, Certified Trainer and Business Consultant at The Schuler Group with the When People Thrive, Companies Thrive podcast. In most of our trainings and consulting with leadership and management teams, we repeat one of our favorite mantras. Everyone wants to be seen, heard, and acknowledged. If you take that statement and think about the people you work with, your friends, your colleagues, even your families, and of course yourself, you'll probably see the truth in that statement. And after years of training and consulting, we've come to add another piece to that, feeling relevant and competent. So I now amend that mantra to everyone wants to be seen, heard, acknowledged, and feel relevant and competent. Someone can be seen, heard, and acknowledged, but if they don't feel like a relevant part of the situation, the group, the team, the department, or the organization, they're not going to be a happy camper. This need to feel relevant and competent explains a lot about why people do what they do. Sometimes the good things, sometimes the not so good things. So competent, of course, means that you feel and others see you as good at what you do, that you're reliable, that you can get things done. Relevance means you're important, you matter. So how many times Does what we witness in the world stem from someone feeling a lack of competence or relevance? I'm not going to try to solve the world's problems with this particular episode, and I do believe it explains a lot. If bullies in the schoolyard or in the boardroom don't feel they're relevant, they are going to act out so that at least they feel relevant, even though probably deep down inside, they don't. Just like with the bully, it comes back to that lack of self-confidence. This concept was driven home for me by hearing about my husband and business partner, Mark's, family dynamics as he was growing up. In his family, everyone talked over everyone else. Everybody had something important to share. And so if you were going to be heard, you had to interrupt and pretty much bulldoze over everyone else. It was the only way to feel relevant and competent growing up in that particular family dynamic. Nobody was going to stop and say, Mark, we haven't heard from you for a while. What do you have to contribute to the conversation? No, everyone else was simply absorbed with proving how competent and relevant they were. A little bit self-absorbed. And we've all experienced that and 
Some of us may have even participated in that. You can identify when someone is perhaps not feeling competent or relevant and is instead blustering to cover that up by interrupting, being the class clown, proving how right they are all the time, always responding with a, hey, that happened to me too. It's as if this need to feel competent and relevant makes us burst into the scene or into the conversation with a, pay attention to me, pay attention to me, I'm important. And that really is what's going on. We all have a version of our little kid inside us. And sometimes we need to acknowledge that little kid. That's part of emotional intelligence when we can be self-aware enough to understand what's going on with ourselves, as well as be able to manage that. For our adult, more emotionally intelligent self to say, I get it, little Dawn or little Marky. It's okay, you really are important. And maybe you don't have to shout it out for everyone else to know how important and competent you are. There are two sides of this that I want to discuss today. One is ourselves, that being self-aware, that tendency we all have to prove how competent and relevant we are. And what do we do about that? And the other side of being empathetic, gracious human beings who understand that others have that need to be competent and relevant. So let's start with counteracting our own need to proclaim to the world how competent and relevant we are. First, be quiet. Try to listen more than you talk. This may be harder for some than others. And you've heard the saying, there's a reason why we have one mouth and two ears. But it's to listen. And when we talk about functional communication in our trainings, we use the phrase, listen to understand, not just to respond. Being self-aware means you notice those tendencies, those thoughts, those inclinations that you want to act on right now. And the self-management part of emotional intelligence means you temper that with a little bit of logic, empathy, and of course, that emotional intelligence. So when you notice in a conversation that there's something that you want to say or to add, especially if it's one of those, oh, that happened to me too. Let me tell you all about my experience. Take a half second and think about, 
does that really add to the conversation? Or is it just a way for you to prove your relevance in this situation? That you're part of this, that you understand? If it truly is that you want to explain that you understand, you could even say something like, I get it. Something similar to that happened to me, and I'm happy to share the details with you if you want, but I want to, I want you to finish saying what you have to say about it. And then that way, it becomes a give and take in the conversation rather than you pushing your recounting of the story onto the other person. Don't be a know-it-all and make declarations of it will be done this way or let's do it this way. Include others in the conversation, in the decision, in the collaboration. One phrase I like is, here's one option of something we could do. Because that's not a law or a declaration or a command. It implies that there is more than one way to do it. It also implies that you're asking for input. Another way to counteract your own need to be seen as competent and relevant is to know your lane. You cannot be great at everything. In Clifton Strengths Finders, there are 34 strengths. And the basic report tells you your top five. You're not great at all 34. You're great at the top five. Your top 10 is even a fabulous indicator of how you can contribute. But you're not going to be great at all 34. If you can bask in your lane, in what you're great at, then you know you're competent in those areas. Hopefully that spills over into you don't have the need to feel like you've got to shove your competency in every single other area. I remember being in a situation with a client and there was a colleague of mine who is amazing at what she does. She's a great analyst She gets data like nobody's business. And my client chose to work with me as her overall coach and strategist. My colleague got very defensive and said, well, I could have done that. I could do that. I could do this other thing. I can do these 10 other things. And it did come off as very defensive as she said all this to my client who told me this later. Recognize what you're good at, acknowledge that you're not great at everything, and be okay with that. There is nothing wrong with asking for help or by saying, "I I really don't know the answer to that or I don't know how to do that. You can be a resource. Hey, you know, I think Jane is actually better at this than I am. Let's bring her into the collaboration. I think people are afraid 
especially if they're not self-confident, that if they do not prove that they are competent in every single area, then they will be seen as incompetent in every area. That simply is not true. Gallup, in their research of what makes great leaders great, interviewed leaders from all across the spectrum, to politics, to government, to organizations. And what they were originally looking for was to see if these leaders who were considered great had a similar theme of top strengths. Remember that Gallup has identified 34 different strengths for their Clifton Strengths Finders assessment. What they found was these leaders' strengths were all across the board. There was no unifying theme. There was no common thread. However, the one common thread that they found was that these great leaders surrounded themselves with people who had different strengths. They filled in the gaps. They complemented the leader's areas where they weren't great so that they showed up more wholly, as in the sum of the parts is greater than the whole, or the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. I said that wrong. That's true for us as individuals. Just because we say, I don't know how to do that, or I'm not great at that particular task, doesn't mean we are therefore incompetent across the board. Emotionally intelligent people, innovative organizations know that they need the strengths of all these different people to make the system a great system. This is why diversity is so important because you need to bring in those differences. Everybody just can't be the same because then you're really limited on what you're able to create and brainstorm and engineer and do. So know your lane, be confident in that lane. Now let's look at the other side. You're working on feeling internally competent and relevant and not feeling like you have to push that on other people to make you feel competent and relevant really should come from the inside. And so as this leader, and we're all leaders in some way or another, how can we make other people feel competent and relevant? First, Remember that everyone has their own movie going on. I've talked about this in previous episodes. This comes from the Four Agreements book by Don Miguel Ruiz, in which he talks about we're walking down a street and pretty much we are our own movie. We're the writer, director, producer, editor, music and soundtrack coordinator, and of course, the main star. Everyone around us in our world is simply a supporting cast member. That's why we think everything revolves around us. 
so that if somebody makes a statement, we're sure it must be because of something we said or did. True understanding comes from realizing everybody else has their own movie going on in which they are the writer, producer, editor, music and soundtrack coordinator, and of course, main star. And we are supporting characters in their cast. When we understand that everybody else has their own movie going on, it's almost like we're all our own little sons rotating kind of around ourselves, but nobody's rotating around us and we're not rotating around anyone else, then it's a little easier to see, here's what might be going on in their movie. Be kind and gracious and patient. Let people have their say. You know how on the other side, when I was talking about feeling competent and relevant yourself and counteracting that need to push it on everybody else and bulldoze that on everybody else. And I said, be quiet. Well, on the other side where you're facilitating an environment for other people to feel competent and relevant, also be quiet in order to let other people have their say. Ask them for their input be proactive. Hey, Dawn, I've noticed you haven't said much. What do you have to add? Or what are your thoughts on this? Or do you have a different idea? There are lots of ways to ask questions to invite input and conversation. This is really good, especially for those people who have a tendency to be quiet anyway. And they could be in their own head thinking, nobody cares what they have to say. Nobody thinks that anything they can contribute is worthwhile. When you ask them for their input, that helps prove to them that they are relevant. The bonus to this is this helps facilitate team collaboration. Helping your team work better together tomorrow than they do today. That's always something to strive for. If there is something for you to add to the conversation and you've already gone through your mental process to determine that, yes, indeed, it is conducive to the conversation and the situation at hand, acknowledge what others have already contributed then they don't feel the need to remind everyone, hey, I said that, or yeah, just like I said, blah, 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 blah. You are acknowledging their relevance and their competence. And finally, as part of that know your own lane, model that you're not perfect. Model that you have certain strengths And that means you're not great at certain other things. I really don't like to call them weaknesses because that connotation is negative. Weakness is bad. Strengths are good, yes, but that doesn't necessarily mean weaknesses are bad. There are things we're good at. There are things we're not so good at. That's the way it is. And I'm fine with that. 
but boldly, comfortably, confidently saying, that is really not my wheelhouse. And I would love for someone else who is more competent in that to take that on. That would be great. Is a model for helping others to see that they don't have to be competent in every single thing. I hope this has been helpful. There's a lot of content here, I know. A lot of things to think about. One action step I'd love for you to take is to monitor your own thoughts and feelings and to notice when that need to feel competent and relevant rears its somewhat ugly head and you might want to interrupt or bulldoze or do a, hey, don't forget about me. See where that's coming from. The more self-aware you are, the more you can manage that. And the more you're aware of others, the more that you can truly collaborate better. I'd love to hear your thoughts over in the comments on theshulergroupllc.com. You are competent. You are definitely relevant. And when you know that and feel that, then you can thrive. Until next time, may we all thrive. Thrive.